following is an excerpt from the book, Sweat, a practical plan for keeping your heart intact while loving an addict. In light of the recent Sweat Lodge tragedy and the subsequent arrest of self-help guru James Ray, I thought it might be of interest to read this detailed account of a sweat ceremony that I participated in. Many who have read this comment how they felt while reading it that they were actually participating. I hope this will enlighten you all. This is the title chapter of my book, but was written as a separate essay originally. My life was impacted in such a way by this event that I felt compelled to write it down so I could remember the details. It is not necessarily related to the subject matter of the book, except that in using tools of the plan laid out in the book, I was able to get through the ceremony and benefit from it. There was no money involved, and since that night, I have not had to avoid or cancel any plans because of claustrophobia, as I always did prior to this. The sweat. It was dusk, and we were just getting off the highway. There was a dirt road up ahead with a sign to the Indian Reservation. I was driving, and my 21-year-old son was navigating. As we followed the narrow road over bumps and holes, trying to do minimal damage to my rental car, I wondered what I was getting myself into. I wondered how my son had found these new friends and how they were related to his recovery process. I hoped this would be another opportunity for us to get close and to heal some past wounds. It was beginning to mist, almost a drizzle, and the dust started to mat down on the car. My son told me to slow down. We were approaching the right turn into the driveway. Others began to arrive. There were already a few trucks in the driveway ahead of us, Although there was a chill in the air and the threat of rain loomed in the sky, we got out of the car dressed in shorts and bathing suits under our sweats. We grabbed a couple of gallon jugs of water from the back of the car and headed down the path. There were already about eight Native American men chatting with each other and stoking the fire. They were gathering the sage and other sacred herbs, the drum, the flute, the rattles, and other tools for the evening. There were many rocks heating up in the fire for later. The men, young and old, welcomed my son and me with opened arms. At this point, I was the only woman there. One of the guys was a very good friend of my son's, and he introduced us to the others. As we visited, more men came. Most of the men were Native Americans and knew each other. They all were very warm and welcoming to us. We were introduced to the leader of the group. He was dressed in black swimming trunks with no shirt. He was a short, stocky guy. His rather rotund belly hung over his bathing suit. I guess, to me, he was more Santa Claus on summer vacation than chief-like. His hair was pulled back into a short ponytail. The smile on his broad face was warm enough to melt an ice cream cone on the spot. Two mutts who lived on the reservation also took their opportunity to welcome us. They were kind of dirty and smelly, but, like everyone else, seemed happy and relaxed. My son told me to keep drinking water while I was standing around. As the people continued to arrive, I stepped back and watched what was going on. One of the men continued to stoke the fire, and it was very hot. 
By now the night was dark, and in the flickering of the fire, I could see the star of the evening, the sweat lodge. It was a dome-shaped structure covered with thick canvas, like a tarp. It was only about 10 to 15 feet in diameter. The door, a flap of the canvas, was open, and I could see inside. In the middle of the lodge was a sunken fire pit. Around the fire pit was an earthen bench, also sunken in the ground. I noticed it was all very dark, damp, and musty. The ceiling was only about six feet high. I looked up into the sky and noticed the clouds rolling in. A preface to the predicted storm, no doubt, but there was no rain. What the heck was going on and why was I there? These are excellent questions, one that I had asked myself about a million times up to that point. My son, who lives out west, had told me about this awe-inspiring experience he had a few times with some of his new Native American friends. At the time, I was visiting him from Florida to support him on his celebration of his first full year of being drug and alcohol-free. The prior years were so destructive and horrific, I was anxious to celebrate this wonderful and positive time with him. So one of the things he was doing during the week was to participate in a Native American sweat ceremony. When he described it to me after he had first participated in one, I put it on my list as something I would never be able to do. He said that he always had a really good feeling after the ceremony. I wasn't really expecting that for myself. Ever since I was born, I have been afflicted with major claustrophobia. I know I have missed out on many things in my life because of this, but nothing I have tried has relieved this problem. I believe that when my twin sister and I were still in my mother's womb, we were situated in a way where she got most of the oxygen and nutrients from the placenta, and I got only what was left. When we were born, she was a healthy, large, robust baby, and I was very underweight and had to stay in the hospital for two weeks. Anyway, that is my theory of why I have this problem. Suffice it to say, sometimes this claustrophobia runs my life, and it is not a good thing. For instance, once I woke my husband up in the middle of the night and forced him to cut off my wedding ring because I couldn't get it off and I couldn't breathe. Another time I was in the mountains, out in the open air at night, but there were no lights. The darkness was suffocating, and I panicked because I couldn't breathe. There were many times when I missed out on wonderful experiences because of this problem. When I was a teen, I went to Babi Yar in the Ukraine, to the tombs, and instead of seeing and learning the history of what happened there, I literally walked through the narrow passages with my eyes closed in pure panic. When my family went tubing in a cave in Belize, I didn't even bother trying it. Of course, they said it was wonderful. I've missed many stalactites and stalagmites in caves all over the world due to pure panic. Anyway, I think you get the picture. It is not just closed spaces. This is a problem way beyond that. During my visit that week, I told my son I was there to support him, and I was willing to do anything to support his celebration. So there I was, about to get into a dark, hot, closed-in hut with 14 sweaty strangers. Was I a bit anxious? I brought some music and a book in case I had to wait in the car for my son. I came with little confidence in myself. 
One of the young men picked up some dried sage and lit it. It began to smoke. He waved it around his whole body, a purifying procedure, a kind of blessing, before going into the hut. I had seen this done earlier in the week at another Native American gathering I attended. He offered the burning sage to me, and I mimicked what he had done. It occurred to me that I needed all the help I could get, so I gladly added the step. Just before it was time to enter the hut, another woman arrived. She turned out to be the wife of the keeper of the sweat lodge and reservation. She had participated numerous times in these ceremonies and looked excited, not crazed like me. It is tradition that the leader enters the lodge first and then the women. The leader had been sitting for a minute or two when he called for the two of us to enter. As we stepped into the hut, we were to turn to the left, walk all around the fire pit, and sit next to him near the door. The men came in. My son had informed me earlier that one of the times he did this, there were only four people. This time it was packed tight, and I mean tight. There were 15 of us in this tiny hut. My anxiety was already beginning to start when the door was still open, and then they had not yet begun to bring in the hot rocks. One of the guys from outside brought in these large, hot, glowing rocks one by one. As he deposited each, one at a time, at the feet of the leader, he, in turn, lifted the rock with these tools, which looked like little antlers, and deposited them in the fire pit. As he put more and more rocks in, the hut became warmer. After about 15 rocks were put in and just about filled the pit, they stopped bringing the rocks, and he said it was time. The door was shut. What did I get myself into this time? I sat next to the leader. He had earlier informed me that this was a difficult experience for many people, especially first-timers. And that would be for first-timers without claustrophobia. He told me there would be three parts, and after each flap, this refers to the closing of the door, there would be a short break. If I needed to leave at any time during the flap, before breaks, I just needed to let him know by saying door, and they would pause and let me out. That was comforting. Well, not really. As I said, they let down the door flap and the ceremony began. As I understood it, a sweat ceremony is a spiritual experience where there are lots of songs, prayers, and offerings. It is a purification of the body, mind, and spirit. It is also a time for each participant to express prayers, desires, hopes, and gratitude to their creator. They throw sage and sacred herbs on the hot rocks and offer them also. My heart was pounding, my throat was closing up, and I was sweating like a pig. Of course, initially this was from my anxiety, long before the hot rocks came into play. I began to panic. It was very dark, but I could see my son across the hut from the glow of the rocks. I could tell he saw my panic and held little hope for me. What a dilemma. Whatever possessed me to even think I could do this. I looked at the woman next to me and whispered, I think I'm already done. She smiled at me and suggested I try another minute or so. Not much help there. At this time, the leader began to speak about the reason for the sweat, the purification process, 
and the gratitude in his heart for the opportunity. He had a bucket of water next to him and threw some from a ladle onto the rocks. So not only was it dark and hot, now it was steamy. I could feel my nostrils closing up and my heart beating even faster, thinking this was really going to be a disaster. All of a sudden, I heard the drum and the men started to shout songs to the beat of the drum. They were praying in a Native American language, and it was inspiring and distracting for the moment. As they sang, shook rattles, and beat the drum, the leader continued to throw ladles of water to make the steam. By this time, I knew they were going to have to carry me out of there, either from fainting, a coma, or death. There was just no more breathing to be done. I never actually got the details of what they did in the hut, how long each flap would be, and what would happen during the break. So, at this point, I had probably been in the hut for a total of 15 minutes. My shirt and shorts dripped with sweat, mine and my neighbor's. I figured this first session should be over soon, so I was determined to make it through. I did many things to distract myself. I focused on the sentiments of the leader, which were quite moving. I began to sing along, faking it, of course, and to dance to the drum, using the term dance loosely, since we were packed tighter than sardines. I took a moment to mentally remove myself from my surroundings and reflect on all of the tools I had been putting in my toolbox over the past few years to deal with fear, panic, and chaos. I felt this was the perfect opportunity to try some of them. So I tried a few three to four minute meditations in the middle of all this. First, I just tried to follow my breath. Focusing on it gave me the confidence that I actually could breathe. Then I was on my favorite Pacific beach, sitting on a rocky ledge with the cool salt air blowing in my face. I could almost hear the waves crashing against the rocks. I'm still not an expert at this meditation and focusing stuff, so this distraction didn't last too long. Of course, bottom line, I expected my false sense of security, but this first part would be over soon, would get me through. As time passed, I began to really get into the ceremony itself, the stories, the songs, the smell of the herbs, and I was beginning to breathe a bit again. There was a feeling of high positive energy in the hut. Many of the prayers and sentiments focused on my son and his past torments and current success. They appreciated his gratitude for me being with him to celebrate. There were other members attending this sweat from the local recovery community who understood how important this was. It was not unusual for friends and relatives to completely disown the addicts and alcoholics no matter how long they have been clean and sober. Support is a gift. The group was so kind with sentiments about mothers, their trials, and deep love for their children, and about me in particular. It certainly was impossible to get up and leave in the midst of this. Finally, after about 45 minutes, the rocks cooled down, and the leader yelled to the keepers of the fire outside to open the door. What a relief! The door was opened. The cold night air came into the hut. But nothing else happened. No one got up to go out. There was no water break. 
Believe me, there was lots of sweating going on, and water really would have been a good thing. The group chatted a bit, told a few jokes. Then, oh my God, here came more hot rocks. I didn't know what to do. I had planned on surviving the first flat, no matter what, and I did. It was way more than I believed I could have done. I knew that if I was leaving, this was the time. The rocks, which were much hotter than the first batch, since they were on the fire 45 minutes longer, were being piled up in the fire pit, and it was now time for the door to close. I did know that this second flap was very important. During this time, each person got the opportunity to offer up their prayers, gratitude, hopes, and individual sentiments in the front of the group. Since I was the first one sitting next to the leader, I decided to stay in, give my offering. I felt I owed it to my son, and I really wanted to express how I felt from my heart and soul. And then yell door and get the heck out. So the hut was hotter than a sauna now. The sacred sage and herbs were thrown on the rocks. A prayer was sung, and it was time for the individual offerings. The leader explained that he would start, and then they would go around the tent one by one. When each person was done speaking, they were to end with the phrase, All my relations, and that is how the next person would know it was his or her turn to speak. He spoke for about ten minutes. It was very moving, and because I knew I'd be out of there momentarily, I focused fully on him, felt the spirituality in the room, along with the love surrounding us all and the presence of a higher energy. I was wholeheartedly inspired now that I was fully focused. When he finished, I waited for him to say all my relations, but instead he said, we will now begin on my left and go around the hut. Panic! I was seated on his right. I would be the 15th person to speak. I immediately began to calculate how long this would take if the average offering was only two minutes. I was looking at a minimum of a half hour more. And who knew if that's all they did in this flap? Could I do it? Could I last? The leader began to pour more water on the rocks, which were glowing like hot lava. The steam rose nice and hot, and the sweat just poured out of every pore in my body. I began to consider my options. I could leave now and breathe. Or, I could see how it went for a while and then leave and breathe. Or, I could be a man, quit succumbing to my demons, and get with the program and stay. I was leaning towards the first option, of course, when the first gentleman began. He spoke about honoring the elders, some recent experiences he had with friends, and his gratitude for having a youthful representation at the first sweat of the spring. He also acknowledged my son and his accomplishments. He then began to speak about mothers, too. He soon said, all my relations, and was done. The next person began his offering, continuing the theme of mothers and their unconditional love, suffering because of the troubles of their children, etc. So how could I leave now? This woman beside me and I were the only mothers in the hut. It would be impossible to leave now. The leader continued to throw water on the rocks, which were very hot now. The steam rose, basically cementing my nostrils closed. At this time, I was beginning to realize that my moments of panic were lessening, and I was becoming able to do some mind-over-matter work on myself, 
I began to notice the steady dripping of something on my left foot. It was the sweat pouring off the body of the leader who was plastered against me. No matter where I moved my foot, remember the sardines. I was being sweated upon. It was just a bit distracting. I tried to take a deep breath and unplaster my nostrils to no avail. I tried to get some air through my mouth. I don't think I've ever tried to inhale steam through my mouth before. The sweaty, smelly steam tasted like I imagine a dirty sock would. My lungs didn't seem to enjoy this experience either. I forced myself to get back to paying attention. It was a timely idea. We were about eight people into the group. About 25 minutes had passed. My new favorite words had become all my relations. I was listening to these young and old men alike speak about the women in their lives, especially their mothers. It was difficult not to feel the love, high energy, and peace in the hut. I was moved to tears. So, now I'm sweating like a pig and crying. Does the word dehydration come to mind? At last, it was my son's turn. He took his time gathering his thoughts and began with his gratitude for being welcomed to the sweat and for everyone's good wishes. He then proceeded to talk about his love for me and my unconditional love for him. I never expected to hear words like his from either of my sons, only because my boys just aren't usually that openly emotional and sensitive in my experience. But the energy and the tone in the hut set the stage, and he embraced the moment. He expressed gratitude for my love when he didn't love anyone, including himself, during his drug addiction. When he was the worst to me, I still loved him with all my heart. I'm glad he recognized this, and I appreciate that he would share this with strangers. He prayed for his father and brother and all of his family. His sentiments were expressed eloquently and from the heart. I was so proud and grateful. After about ten more minutes, they finally came to me. I had all of these thoughts I wanted to express, and so much emotion. Unfortunately, there was this voice in my head saying, Make it short and sweet, sister, then you can get out of here. I don't know why, but I listened to this voice and made a short, compact, heartfelt offering. I offered my prayer for my brothers and sister who were no longer on this earth. Then I offered prayer for my twin sister who was battling breast cancer, and my parents who have been strong through all of these life and death events. I expressed gratitude for my son's recovery and hope for his continued success. It was a very short offering. I had so much more to say, but I heard that voice again. Instead of continuing, I took a deep breath and said, All my relations. Now that the offerings were over, I was ready to breathe again. When the leader poured more water on the rocks and they started singing again, I wasn't too happy. At this point, I closed my eyes, sat up straight, and moved my butt back so that it was touching the hut wall. What a discovery I made. The wall was cool from the outside cold air. It was a miracle. I put my hands back against it. I lifted the back of my t-shirt and leaned down against it and had a quick reprieve from the heat. It was another welcome distraction. After another five minutes, the singing, drums, and flute stopped. The leader yelled door, and the second flap, after about one hour, was over. 
One of the guys outside sent in some jugs of water, and we all drank as much as we could. During the break, the leader explained that the last flap was a kind of suffering for those known and unknown who are in pain and suffering in the world. I didn't know what this meant, but by now I had decided I was in until the end. How much more suffering could it be? I was really feeling good about myself. I felt I had faced my claustrophobia bravely, and I hoped this was the end of living my life around it. My life was being altered dramatically from this experience. When they started bringing in the new hot rocks, I knew something was a bit different. These particular rocks looked like they were brought out from deep within the scorching sun. Not only did they have the glow, but also that aura you can see around the sun on the hottest, clear summer day you can imagine. They also seemed to be never-ending. The leader piled them one on top of the other, so if there was any movement at all, they could fall out of the pit. When the door shut this time, I noticed the heat immediately. The sacred herbs were burned, and a little water was thrown on the rocks. The steam was almost unbearable. It began to feel as if the rocks were burning my face right off. The men were yelling their prayers. The songs were getting faster, almost frantic. I tried to move back against the hut wall for relief, but this time it was hot too. As my face became hotter and the sweat came dripping down from everywhere, I think even my hair was sweating. I resorted once again to singing with the guys and trying to dance. It was very dark, so I decided to lift my t-shirt over my face to keep it from burning off, which helped and although it created a claustrophobic feeling, my burning face was more of an issue. Actually, one of the many things I learned from this experience was not to wear contact lenses to a sweat. They burn onto your eyeballs and become very uncomfortable. After about ten minutes of the screaming heat, that's where the suffering part comes in. I just couldn't take it anymore and asked to be let out. The leader yelled door. I got up and left and right behind me came one of the young men. I guess he was too embarrassed to say he couldn't take it if somebody's mom was doing it. I presented him with the opportunity to leave, and he grabbed it. The night had turned quite chilly, and I was dripping wet from head to toe. I listened to them yelling and praying in the hut while I drank a bottle of water and stood by the fire. Much to my chagrin, it was only about five or ten minutes later that the leader yelled door and the sweat was over. If I had known there would be only a few more minutes, I think I would have stayed. Of course, my contacts would have been permanently melted onto my eyeballs by then, and I might have been blinded for life. The hut quickly emptied, and everyone, except me, dove into the adjacent, unheated pool. I live in a tropical climate, swimming only in warm pools, and was sure that a heart attack would not be a good way to top the evening. My son said it felt like pins and needles, and could actually feel each and every one of his pores closing. After everyone dried off and dressed, they each came up to me and shook my hand. They said they were glad to meet me and congratulated me on a job well done for my first sweat. No one expected me to make it so far, and they were not even aware of my claustrophobia. My son was truly amazed. He admitted that he had no faith that I could make any of it. He had experienced many of my claustrophobic episodes over the years. I appreciated the sweat experience and was honored to be a part of it. 
What an amazing bonding experience with my son this turned out to be. I commend the fine people who were willing to share this experience with me and for keeping this special tradition alive. I think I can understand now the idea of spiritual retreats. It was an especially purifying experience for me. To this day, I still have this satisfied smile on my face and warmth, no pun intended, in my heart every time I think about the sweat.